find out why. Let's go straight to the C-suite hiring manager and ask them, what is it that they're really looking for when they're hiring a senior person just like you? Can't wait to find out what they've got to say. Well, welcome, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, you got your name up in lights and everything. Um, uh, Andrea, uh, before we get into all the questions that we've got, and by the way, everybody, if you've got questions for Andrea, um, please put them in the chat box. Um, just introduce yourself, Andrea, just so people know who it is that they're getting their, their wisdom from. Sure. So, so you said I'm a, an international brand leader, uh, CMO level. Uh, so to give a little bit of more context, I work with CEOs in the media and entertainment industry uh, okay. to help them generating incremental revenues out of their brands in yep. excess of $30 million annually. And okay. I do that by um, creating and then implementing insights-informed revenue-enhancing strategies for their brands and leading their implementation across regions. Okay, you say insight. Are you, uh, the, for me, that, that that's basically customer listening, isn't it? It's it's just you know, really paying attention to what the customers like and right, and, then, yeah. and then and applying it. Um, and obviously, when you work for businesses as large as the businesses you work for, um, being able to do that well, tens of millions of dollars will flow from the magic. Um, so, ooh, big stuff, right? So, uh, you are international brand leader, CMO, top of the tree in your space. Um, what kind of people do you hire? Who who, who sits underneath you? Um, right. uh, what yeah. kind of jobs do they do? I run a, a, a school marketing organization. So I would look uh, in my space, I would look for brand directors or anything uh -huh. between director and manager and so on. Um, uh -huh. More generalist marketing managers, um, especially in the, in the latest times, I will also look for a lot of digital skills. So yeah. uh, both in general digital skills, but also a lot about content production and content distribution. That's very okay. critical to to the space where I operate, and uh, and lately, which might be surprising for some people, um, a lot of data analysts and uh, and people that help me extracting those insights uh, from numbers as well as from other forms of research. Cool. Okay. So uh, brand and marketing and digital and content and data. That sounds like a pretty high performing marketing setup to me. No surprise, given the level that you operate at. So let's get down to brass tacks then, Andrea. Um, what's the difference between a really great version of one of those jobs or person doing that job and perhaps just a regular person? They can all do it, but some people just do it better, don't they? Yeah. And, and uh, uh, let's go back to the purpose, right? The purpose of these roles is to help me, as we said, generate revenues incrementally to what would have happened with our, our roles and uh, doing that by uh, developing and implementing those strategies. So clearly, I'm looking for people that can do that. Uh, but I'm looking also for people, to me, the greatness comes from the fact that they might be able to add value beyond that and really be instrumental in the transformation of an organization and, and moving things forward. Um, and, yeah, hold, and on, Andrea. hold on, hold on. You know, the amount of times I've read add value and, and contribute to transformation, you know, uh, excuse my language, that's just a fucking yawn fest, isn't it? HR put that on every job description I've ever read. What does that actually mean? Well, it means that, you know, I can do my job better by having the great people um, and, and building a team that is highly effective. Um, but also I can show that the value of the team is not limited to the tasks that we've been given. 
Um, okay, so I want people that are open-minded, that can sort of stretch their skills beyond what is formally asked from them. So what kind of things are we looking at then? You know, how does that manifest itself? You know, rock in and say, I can do the job, same as the next person, but I've also got this I bring to the party. Uh, how, you know, how do you, what is that? But the, the, uh, the starting point, I would guess, is a sense of curiosity and, and, and uh, the willingness of learning what's beyond what we do, right? Understanding okay. the broader context, uh, because that, that allows you to do a better job in what you are tasked to do, but also to provide input into things that, if you're bold enough to, to speak up, uh, that, that might be helpful to other, to other people in the organization. Okay, so some curiosity then. Um, that's, a, that's a nice trait to have. Uh, and I think actually are, are wonderful to have if you're in marketing. Um, and um, so how do you find out who's great and who's not? So we, uh, I was lucky enough to work in large organizations. So I always had um, a lot of support from the HR uh, department. So they would help me selecting uh, among all the candidates that put themselves forward for a role. They will help me selecting the people that are on paper through their CV uh, and maybe following a, a brief conversation with the HR team, the right skills that are required for the role. Okay. They will present to me a short list of the people that they think among all the ones that they they, they applied, they applied uh, that, that could fit the role. And then it's my task to review those CVs and trying to understand a little bit more about the person. So at that point, I need to trust that the HR team has done a good job in selecting people that technically uh, have the skills to do the job. And I need to go beyond that and find the people that have the right attitude, the right curiosity, um, um, that, that I think can stretch themselves more than what the role allows to go back to what I was saying, the ability of being curious and and um, and uh, adding value beyond what the role requires, uh, mm -hmm. if possible. So doing those things, and, and it's quite hard to do that from a CV, which is a dry document to some extent. So it it, it it comes out from an interview, which is the best way of of getting to know the candidates and understanding whether they are fit for for purpose or not. Okay, so uh, in the interview then. Um, what are you looking for to help you understand that they can do, obviously they can tick all the boxes because HR have screened them for that, that's fine, but you're looking for that curiosity, you're yeah. looking for that ability to um, add value beyond the technical remit of the job. Um, you do that via an interview process because it's pretty much impossible to do that from a CV. Yeah. Um, what does that, how does that interview manifest itself how, you know what happens in the interview so that you can get to the end of it and go yeah okay now i've understood what i need to know and either yeah. they do or don't have what i'm looking for absolutely so the interview is it's um it's very important for me and i'm quite excited every time i'm in front of a candidate and we can have that conversation for me it's a very much a, a two-way conversation in which i provide them as much context as possible and i try to uh, explain what a day in the life of the job could be uh, would be uh, that that uh, to me is instrumental in getting then out of the candidate how would they behave in that day in the life right and and i want to go beyond uh, what's written on paper and really understand uh, the motivation the attitudes uh, the ability of of contributing and, and interacting with me challenge me or, or not uh, so really getting getting to know the person and and trying to understand who is going to be if if your candidate uh, you're interviewing with me um I want to understand who is the person that will come to the to the office every day or to work every day, um, because of course the interview is an artificial setting, right? I'm trying yeah. to show the best of me, and and you candidate are trying to be, to show the best 
of you. And I like to go beyond that and really understand, um, you know, sometimes you get surprised, you see someone in an interview and think, okay, and then they show up at work and they, you get to know them better and they're not quite what you expected. So I try to create an environment that allows me to see through that, through the artificial uh, element of the, of the uh, interview. I also yeah. try to um, fight my own biases. So uh, you know that we are more inclined to yeah. align ourselves with the people that think like us. Yeah. And that's not necessarily something that I want from the people that work for me. I want, to find, I want a team that is made up of diverse people that bring different perspectives. So I don't necessarily want a clone of me or a clone of other people that I have in the team. So the interview also helps me understanding, is that person bringing something to the team that is slightly different from what I have already? Or, or that complements either my skills or my way of doing things and thinking, um, or the way of other members of the team. So that really we get we become stronger um, thanks to the diversity of thinking. I would imagine that if I was a senior person um, reporting into the CMO, coming in for a senior job interview, um, that I'm probably going to be in, in interview mode, you know, mm -hmm. a bit more polished and a little bit more careful about my language. Um, and you're going to seek to change the dynamic of that conversation and break down Absolutely. some of the traditional interview barriers um, so that you get a, a more accurate um, representation of how they're going to show up each day in the job. Um, and you're going to get probably one of two responses to that. You're either going to get people who are resistant to it and want to stay in interview mode and stay on track and, uh, and not give too much away, uh, or other people who are going to immediately fall into, oh, good, this is a much more relaxed um, conversational style, uh, and we can perhaps be a bit more authentic. Um, and I imagine it's not that difficult then for you to make your decision because th th those two things are fairly polar opposite in terms of just response to that, that style of interview process. Yeah. And that already tells me something, right? So uh, it tells me something about the person, right? So if, if you can adapt to the way I'm managing the interview, you already show me that you're probably, um, you know, organizational savvy. You have a way of dealing with people that is flexible and, and sort of open-minded, which are all traits that in a complex organization, like the ones I've, I've, I've been part of, are really, really important. There's a ton of stakeholders to manage. You, in, in roles like, mine or, or the people that work for me, you're highly visible. You need to be comfortable with a lot of people. So if you're not comfortable in an interview setting with me, that already tells me that maybe yeah. um, you won't be in the environment that I know you'll be part of if you yeah. succeed in the interview process. Uh, so that already, you know, for me is already uh, polarizing and, and telling me the people I should gravitate towards or not. I know one of the sort of popular techniques in interviews to mirror uh, the interviewer um, and try and be a little bit like them, but you actively seek um, alternatives to you. You try to avoid your cognitive bias. Uh, I think that um, that sort of you know not valuing or, or, or not leveraging mirroring and uh, expecting someone to be authentic um, would be uh, it's going to be challenging for some people. Um, but for the yeah. few, um, they're going to instantly gravitate to. Great, I can just be me. Bringing me to my into the party is actually what you're looking for, um, but you can have a degree of self confidence there, haven't you? That actually, you know, not mirroring the boss, um, not being like the rest of the team, is the right thing to do. Um, so you can have a team of quite confident, self assured people working for you, which I imagine is a challenge <laughs> to be the boss at that point in time. Well, you know, it, it's like it, it, I, I like that for a number of reasons. Uh, uh, the first one is 
I want to be challenged, right? And and again, if I have mini me's, it doesn't really challenge me. You know, we got a group of people that thinks the same, behave the same, and, and I don't think is necessarily the best thing to have, right? Apart from the technical skills that some of these role, you know, being different, uh, might have. Um, so that that I don't think is particularly productive. So that's why I, I look for that diversity. But I also look at uh, two things: one, the opportunity of learning from my team, not only. You know me mentoring and coaching but also the other not the other way around but you know if you bring something new that i might not be as familiar with that, that's a learning experience for me i've learned from interns as well as yeah. my bosses right yeah. um and that's fine um the other element is um uh that i actually like to be challenged and i like that uh you know having a team that it feels comfortable uh, to tell me that what I think might not be the right thing or there's another way of doing things or there's another way of approaching a problem. I like that. So I don't like, again, you know, that, that helps me with, with producing a better outcome out of the work that we do as a team. You um, remind actually, me I, just let me finish on this. Play. I, I, I also like the idea of um, feeling the pressure of someone that might be me uh, in terms of the role. Uh, in a little while because it, it keeps me on edge and it gives me you know it, 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 i never want to feel complacent right and having someone that's like is pushing upwards gives me that that little kick right that everyone and then you 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 need uh so absolutely i want a team of superstars and i want a team of people that one day could could do my job uh, it's one of the traits they say about great leaders is that they rise by lifting others up underneath them. Um, and if, if everybody goes up, um, then uh, you're in good shape. You remind me a little bit of a character in a, um, a, a television show that um, I'm a huge fan of, uh, The West Wing. Um, it's about the presidency, presidency of the United States. Um, in the middle there, they're hiring a new person um, who's having a bit of a disaster of an interview because the president's in a bad mood. Um, but someone reassures the candidate that actually um, you know, when, when the president's less angry about something and um, mainly he likes to hire smart people who disagree with him and the rest of it's bullshit and that's it that's that's all he wants is smart people that disagree with him because there's a chance to learn something and get better right. rather than be surrounded by sycophants who are kissing his ass um so okay good um now you, earlier we talked about cmo and international brand leader but um i know a little bit about marketing uh, just a tiny bit um and uh, i recognize that Actually, strategically, those two things are quite different. Uh, in fact, marketing is more tactical than strategic. Um, how do you balance that, that, that the, 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 the tactics versus the strategy, the, the, the marketing versus the brand, the, you know, the horizons? Brand is kind of quite long-term and overarching, whereas marketing yeah, is they, uh, I built a process uh, to be able to, to have the two um, – perspectives to run in parallel and i always say we are um normally operating in constantly into three four five different time uh time frames uh, you know uh, let's simplify for a second like the first time frame is you look way way uh, beyond uh, into the future and try to prepare yourself for um everything that needs to happen in two three years and and you, you've got that strategic of the side, that is really very much the brand work that you mentioned, um, thinking about the equities and, and the things that um, uh, that, that uh, need to happen for the brand to, to be delivering revenues and incremental revenues over a long period of time. And then you're sort of in the um, pre-planning mode, which is, oh, there are things that to get there you need to do in the next 
few weeks or months. Um, and so you're more in the implementation uh, side of things. And that's where the different skills of the team come into place because maybe I'm, I'm more spending time on the looking forward and yeah. the team is more spending time on the uh, on the uh, what needs to happen very soon. And then, of course, you're also at the same time monitoring what's happening in real life. Uh, you know, we talked about data analysts, so, you know, are the sales going the way that we want to do? Uh, so this is like looking um, in the now and a little bit beyond to understand that what we're doing and what we've been planning is working and 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 oh give me insights if we need to course correct something so always operating at these three different levels uh, with okay. processes that help with the making sure that you're not missing any opportunities whether it's on the planning side and the brand side or the operational side and the uh, activation side uh, all the analysis so they all feed each other uh, in a very productive way so depending on the nature of the job, um, what you might be looking for is a, a, a thinking or an intellectual horizon that's different. Um, data analysts need to be quite contemporary in their thinking. Um, a brand strategy seems to be a bit more future thinking. Um, yeah. And so you'll hear that in the language, won't you, in terms of how people talk about the way they talk about the now or where they talk about the future. Um, what about in, in inter interview then, uh, some other things we can talk about, sort of, the traps that people fall into or the tips you can give them when they're interviewing um, uh, with a CMO like you, uh, what, do you what do you look for there? Well, uh, it, it, it comes from what we were saying, we were talking about just a few minutes ago. You know, I like people to be authentic about, about I like people to be the true, true self um, when, when they come to see me and uh, I want them to be comfortable. I want them to be at ease. Uh, so if that doesn't happen, uh, as we discussed earlier, already there's you know there's a yeah. there's a little disconnect that give me uh, pause for thought. Um, so what I what I normally react badly to is people that only speak in theoretical terms. So they'll come and and so answer a question reciting like a, a book of marketing or or that I, I, I like more real examples. Show me what you've done. Show me what impact you, you've made in your previous roles. Um, give me real examples on how you solve you solve the problem. Um, and if we're talking about something hypothetical, just show me the way you think, uh, not what you learned in a book. So that that doesn't doesn't necessarily work for me. The other thing that I react normally quite badly to is overly aggressive people. Um, um, you know, of course you're in an interview, of course you're selling yourself, and I'm the buyer, as you you were mentioning earlier in the program, uh, but just don't be too aggressive in the sales. It just it just rubs me off the wrong way. Um, so again, it's, it's a question of being authentic, be confident, confident is fine, aggressive, not so much for me. Um, so don't be too pushy, just be yourself, be relaxed, show me what you got, um, and, and let's have a good discussion about how you can add value to the team and to what we do. Cool. Uh, I've got a question um, from uh, one of the listeners uh, from Andrew. How do you make sure your HR department is inclusive in seeking candidates with more than just the skills required? Is there something in the CV that you pay attention to? So there's a couple of questions there. I would imagine HR's inclusivity processes are something that don't need your input. You, they'll, they'll make sure that happens anyway. Um, but is there, you know, once they've done that sift and the technical skills are there, is there is there anything particular that you have a quick glance at CVs and go, you know what, these six? Um, is it, you know, is it geography? Like, let's get people in from different parts of the world, or is it different industries? Or, you know, what, what do you look for that goes, yeah, that's well, that, that's a that's a good. Uh, that, let's unpick that. There's a lot here. Uh, so diversity, absolutely. I thought, um, you know, I talked about more diversity of thinking rather than diversity yeah. in terms of. 
beliefs. Or, or, uh, so I, I normally involve other people uh, in the interview process because of that um, awareness of the unconscious bias that you have by you know, liking the people that think like you. Um, oh. So I, I normally have a, uh, a one or another another two people that will be involved in the in the in the process, so that I can have different points of view that are not just mine on on prospect candidates. And and within the people that I would have with me, I would make sure they have diversity. So for example. Um, I would have a woman for sure to, to help me in the interview process. No matter who the candidate is, I would have mm -hmm. a woman. Uh, and I have other form of representation, I would include that. Uh, so that we can have a, um, uh, hopefully, unbiased, uh, common opinion, and then we compare notes and we check that. So that that's sort of from a process perspective, if you want. And then um, in terms of a, a couple of things that might be useful just because of the nature of the work that I've been doing, I've been mostly operating in um, uh, regional, since I moved to London 23 years ago now, um, I've been in regional or international roles, um, so always managed um, um, uh, what should be a multicultural team. And I say what should be because I inherited some teams uh, that were managing countries in the, from the UK that were only made up of British people, uh, which I don't think is necessarily wrong, but at the same time, if you're interacting with, in many cases, at a certain point, I was working with 27 other countries, and they only interact, okay, I'm Italian, but uh, <laughs> with all Brits, uh, there's something that doesn't sound authentic, doesn't, can or can Brits really understand the nuances, the differences, do they have the, um, if it's all made of British people, so that, that cultural um, uh, understanding is something I'll look for, and it might come from British people if we're based here, but it might also come even more so from people from abroad uh, yeah. or have an international experience. So that that's um, uh, very important for the roles that I played in international and global uh, and regional uh, cool. in the regional context. Um, there was something else in our words. There was another thing to unpick, but I. That's okay. I, I want to talk. Question crops up then. So, I mean, marketing is a horizontal function um, rather than an industry vertical one. And so, how important or not is industry expertise in an industry like media and entertainment? That, that, that be, you know, you're head of digital. Um, um, if I don't know anything, or if I've never worked in media and entertainment. Uh, this this goes personal, right? I, I'm not representing an industry necessarily, but this is what I think, right? I, I am a big believer on uh, uh, that you don't really need industry expertise. There are exceptions, of course, but at least in the world I'm part of, um, you can learn it very, very quickly. I, I didn't come to this industry with industry expertise. I built it over time. Um, so I'm very open to people that come from other industries. And I still believe that, you know, they, you know, skills are transferable and it's fine. And actually having someone with a fresh point of view on, on things that I've been looking at for 23 years or 25 years no. might bring a lot of advantages. Uh, so I don't think it's, it's necessary. Um, but also the industry has, has evolved over time and, and uh, people tend to underestimate the number of uh, or the amount of data that we look at, the, the science that we apply to selling a movie, for example. Um, people are not familiar with that. So that might be um, 
uh, might be surprising, but that because it's probably an evolution that over time the industry has taken to be much more data-driven or informed and insights informed that those skills might not come from the industry. So it's a good thing that um, you bring people from outside the industry that might have the skills and that can help the work to, to progress more um, yeah. uh, at a quicker speed uh, than, than if you didn't have those external skills. There are areas in which maybe um, coming from the industry has some advantages. For example, I find that working on uh, PR and communications is mm -hmm. so critical to what we do uh, that you and you need to be able to deal with talent and and and, and be on the call every day and deal with emergencies that uh, you know uh, they're not uh, life threatening, but in our business is very yeah. important. But that that might that that area might be more. Um, uh, you need to be able to, to do in, those um, in the entertainment and media industry was high maintenance, eh? Uh, <laughs> no, at times, uh, at I times. can tell stories, so, yeah. No, I get that, you know, that, that, that's probably not something you want to try and attempt to do, um, uh, from outside the industry. That's that's you need some experience at that because that, that's about the people in you know, media and entertainment people, particularly you know, the, the people who are you know, creating films and stuff, um. They're a particular breed of people, aren't they? They're, they're you know, they're, they're very creative, um, perhaps a little bit otherworldly, and it just takes some experience on how to handle them. Yeah, but, but, but you're right. Uh, that that that's the way it was when I started in the business, but it's become much more, um, uh, in a good way, process driven and, and a little bit more formal than you would expect, and as I said, much more data informed than than it used to be. Uh, so there's both elements need which you know at times uh, clash I, I have this experience at some point when i was at universal pictures universal pictures was bought by general electric and general electric came with like this is the way we do things like we, we are six sigma we do this process and the two cultures were clashing completely um in reality the good thing was in the medium right in in the middle uh you could sure. bring that creativity wrong side and you can bring a more process driven uh way of doing things and provided I do not push it too much, actually works very well. And I, I, I am a big fan of that middle ground. Okay. Um, a question in from a Facebook user here says, one of the solutions that firms have adopted due to the war for talent is to request employees to refer friends and colleagues. Um, but surely this just ensures you get more people like the ones you have already, which is a kind of a, a decreasing circle of diversity. We can keep this answer short because my my virtual producers um, give me the wind-up signal because I'm yeah. supposed to have a live show in about five minutes' time. So just do you like the referral scheme? Because uh, you know, I, I do. I don't necessarily agree with the fact that you would only attract people that are similar to the people you have already. Um, one can refer people who are not like that. Uh, I, I like it. it you know, it, it's, uh, uh, it's it saves time and, and money if, if you get referrals and, and you don't use recruiter. There. So I'm yeah. open-minded to that. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. And I don't, I, I don't necessarily have the experience that by going through referrals, you get more of the same. Uh, yeah. I, I don't recognize that yet. Cool. And last question. What are the questions you'd like an interviewee uh, to ask the hiring manager? Um, so when you're sat in someone, you think, you know what, I quite like you, but um, if you ask me in a really impressive question right now, my, my, you know, that might just tip the balance. What kind of cool questions do, do, do candidates or, or job seekers okay. ask? Uh, first of all, ask questions. That shows me you have curiosity and you want to understand, but that's it, right? Really, I want to, uh, I want to be asked questions that help me explaining what, what the core of the purpose of the role is and how 
not, not me suggesting how it should be performed, but what are the key drivers, what are the key deliverables, what success look like, that kind of thing. It's really to, to um, help me explain to the candidate what is asked of them. Sure. Uh, and, and I want to be sure that, that they really understand that and they understand once they step into the role, if they're successful, what they can expect. I, I want that to be very, very open. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want. Uh, I don't want to get surprises by someone who eventually I hire and and turns out to be different from what I imagined uh, in the interview process. And likewise, I don't want the candidate, if successful, to have surprises because when they come, they find something that I misrepresented. Great. Uh, so um, one minute left. Uh, any any final advice or comments? Parting shot from you, Andrea. Uh, you know, I'm really passionate about driving results. So I, you know, that's that one thing I don't compromise when I look at people. Uh, they have to have the same passion and drive uh, to deliver uh, that I have. So even if I look for diversity, as we as we mentioned, and different way of doing things, I, I need the end result to be very very clear to everyone. So that's something that I uh, I push myself to deliver, and I want my teams to deliver too. So I guess that that's sort of a closing comment. So the, the ambition of generating incremental revenues, adding the value, commercial value to what we do, uh, is something that is is incredibly important and then something I'm looking in people. Fantastic. And I've just flashed Andrea's um, LinkedIn um, address on screen. So if anybody wants to connect to Andrea, if you're in the marketing world um, or if you're a really serious, serious business and uh, need someone as senior as uh, Andrea, then maybe. Uh, maybe you get lucky and get to have Andrea as your CMO. Um, but for now, I just want to say super big thank you for sharing all of that with us, Andrea. Um, You're very welcome. It's been a big pleasure. I don't often get to hear what the hiring manager is looking for. Um, uh, and feedback in interview processes nowadays is quite poor. So to get it from the other side of the fence, actually hear it directly from the CMO is huge. So massive thank you to Andrea. And uh, for everybody else, um, if, you, if you thought that was useful and helpful, then uh, do a quick post on LinkedIn. Just saw hashtag exec edge show with at Johnny Walker and put your comment in. And two things will happen. One, we'll reply um, in your comments um, uh, with a, a replay link to the show so other people can see it too. If, um, if somebody else had seen this show and thought it was useful, then you'd want them to pay it forward. So let's all do the same. And secondly, um, our network get alerted when we comment on people's posts. Um, and there's 15,000 plus of those. And so some of those might be looking for someone like you. Who wouldn't want their eyeballs on your profile right now? Um, that's about it from me and from Andrea. And uh, next week, uh, we've got a, uh, a head of sourcing uh, from the procurement world. And we're going to talk about how to buy things well. So you don't end up with a whole truckload of inventory in your warehouse um, and how to make sure you get the right stuff, um, uh, which is actually for Product-led businesses um, is critical because every season, every year, you've got to go out and buy stuff and then hope that it sells. And getting that right is is, is a lot trickier um, than, than I understood it to be. So I'm looking forward to next uh, next week's show. See you all next Thursday at 12.30. Take care. Bye-bye.